Hola mi gente, what up my people, my name is Pastor Rich Colon, I'm the lead pastor here at Santos Church, broadcasting to you live from Southwest Detroit, Michigan. Wherever you're listening from, I'm glad that you are listening. This podcast is meant to do one of two things, and that is either bring you our message content or it's content that we thought would enrich our message content. We'll have more information at the end of this episode on how you can get connected with us either in person, online, or on social media. But for now, thanks for listening to this podcast. Gracias para escuchando este podcast. And let's get into it. Vamos. Welcome to James chapter 2. We're going to jump into it today. Before we do that, I want to share with you a little something about me. You hear me talk a lot about, like, hip-hop culture. You hear me talk about, like, oh, yeah, when I was back, you know, back in the day, we used to do. So I want to share with you really how for real this, <laughs> this hip-hop culture stuff was to me and, and uh, played such a part of my life and my formation as a young man. And so uh, as I was growing up, I'll show you in a second, but as I was growing up, it was not uh, out of the ordinary for me as a little kid to be riding in the back of my mom and dad's car. And the normal soundtrack that we would hear would be the Fresh Prince. He wasn't Will Smith. It's the Fresh Prince and Jazzy Jeff. It would be B.I.G. It would be Tupac. My favorite song when I was a kid was California Love, because how did that guy sound like a robot? You know what I mean? California Love. Like, I was like, how, does his voice just sound like that? Did they get a robot up in here, like Tupac's friends with a robot? Like, that's, that's real gangster, right? Uh, big pun, right? Big, anybody? Big pun? All right. Okay, Southwest. All right. Big pun. First, first platinum-selling Puerto Rican hip-hop artist, right? Big Pun was a big deal in my house because my dad hung the little Puerto Rican boxing glove in the rearview mirror. You know he was about it, so Big Pun was big for us, right? Like, this was the soundtrack. Riding to the pool, what we'd hear is, summer, summer, summertime, right? Like, it was, and that stuck with me probably more than anything else in my childhood, so much so that that's what I pursued coming up. Let me, let me show you a couple pictures. Hit that first picture real quick. That's your boy. You can laugh if you want. I had kind of like a little baby fro going on. Look, I want to point something. I'm going to walk back here and point this out for you. The, there's hair on either side of my face. It does not connect on my chin. But I tried, right? Also, even back then, I played football and stuff, but if you were to zoom in on this, there's still food stains on that sweater. Food was already a big deal, and those are all $1 bills in my hand. But the flex was there, the vibe was there. Go ahead and hit the next picture. Let me show you, this is even, this is even more with the vibes. Hit the next picture. That's your, I don't even know what I'm doing. That's a graffiti mural in some teen nightclub I, I used to hang out with my homies and look for rap battles. And um, yeah, I'm like staring at the ground. I thought it looked hardcore, because that's what rappers do, right? And then on this side, if you look on this side, those are actual turntables with records on them, right? Like no computer hooked up to control a computer. Those were actual records, and that was me, again, with my patchy facial hair, trying to learn how to DJ. And if I could zoom out in that exact room back in the day, uh, you would see posters of everybody I just talked about. Just you couldn't see any paint on my wall. It was pictures. It was posters. It was album inserts. It was literal records. It was graffiti, bad graffiti that I tried to do without my parents' permission that we had to cover up with several layers of primer when we moved out. It was, it was a recording booth in my closet that I lined with Christmas lights because you had to get the vibe right. You feel me? Like, this was 
life for me. I felt this. And one of the biggest things that I felt about hip-hop culture, and if you know anything about hip-hop culture, you know this. There's a saying in hip-hop, or there's a saying in those types of urban cultures, and the saying is this, real recognize real. You guys ever heard that? Real recognize real, homie, and I don't know who you are. You know what that means? You fake, right? Like that, that's somebody calling you fake. Real recognize real, and if I don't know you, you ain't real, right? So there's this implication right away across everybody that I looked up to, everybody I esteemed, that you had to be real, which meant this. If you weren't really into the things they talked about, you started doing the things that people talked about because you couldn't be fake. You had to be real. You had to have some clout. You had to have some street cred because the worst thing in the world that you could be was fake because real people know other real people. Real recognize real. If I could, I show you that today to show you this, is that not, 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 okay, good, it took it down, thank God. Not to show you my patchy facial hair, not to show you, but to show you that there are cultural examples of how people want authenticity. That it is so baked into our culture a lot of times, or it was at one point in time, that you wouldn't even dream of doing something that was foreign to you unless you really lived that life out. People would go to extremes and extents to make themselves feel more authentic. They would buy clothes, they would change up their whole CD catalog that they listened to. People, people wanted to switch things and, and get so embedded into these different cultures because, and they had to know what they were talking about because people would check you. If you come from back in that, in that day, I'm looking for Cynthia, she knows, she's, she's gangster, right? Like people would check you. You would act like you would say something or you would do something and pe if people really didn't think you were about it, people would be like, all right, yeah, so what's your, what's your favorite song on, you know, on CD number, blah, 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 and you'd be like, all of them, right? Real don't recognize that, right? Like, you're fi like people would check you. We don't live in that time anymore. We don't live in a time where, matter of fact, we live in a time where authenticity is oftentimes overlooked if you have enough of an audience. This programs us to think that authenticity is not on the forefront, that being real with people, being genuine with people is not the main priority. Instead, what's the main priority is being liked, is being seen as being highly esteemed, as being highly regarded. And when we throw authenticity and genuine relationship and connection and realness out the window, well, there's just certain things that don't stick much longer. And one of those things is faith. Faith is one of those things where we've also kind of as a culture moved into where surface level stuff is okay. And what I like about Santos is that and I hear it almost every week, is when people come in and they go, no, nah, man, see, this, this don't feel like that. This doesn't look like that. The people here feel different. They talk different. We could be this. We could be that. Because it feels what? feels real. feels authentic. Yesterday at our team training, uh, the, the pastor, Pastor Thomas, uh, he pastors in Dearborn Heights, and he asked everybody before the end of it, he said, what's your favorite thing about Santos Church? And more than one person was like, man, I just love how real you can be here. I love how much of myself I can be here. I love how much this feels like family here. A couple weeks ago, somebody shared with me, I love this church because it literally, it doesn't matter how spread out everybody is. It doesn't matter what it feels like. We're all just sitting around the living room talking and hanging out together. There's a realness that's appreciated with it. And then and there's this implication where if it wasn't real, if it wasn't authentic, it just wouldn't hit the same. 
If I could sum up James chapter 2 for you, it would be that sentiment. Last week I gave you one, right, about that action, boss. If you weren't here, Marshawn Lynch was the, the surmise of last week. About that action, boss. He's a running back. Go back, listen to the podcast. He would uh, fumble these interviews, not the ball, never the ball. And uh, they would ask him in these interviews questions. And finally, he would just say, I'm not, I'm not about the talking. I don't want to talk. Maybe why, Marshawn? Because you already know why I'm here. I'm about that action, boss. So this week, if I could give you one, it's this. We're talking about authenticity. That's the theme of chapter two of James, authenticity. And it's this, real, recognize, real. People going through real things out there in life are looking for a real faith and a real connection to God. And they're looking for it in you because you claim to really believe in him. And when people don't see that, people automatically assume that something's not right. And in case you didn't know, that's not really a a good thing. James is big on authenticity. James is essentially telling us that as believers, real recognize real, and we should hold each other accountable. We should be pushing away fake or pushing away shallow faith. And he's also reminding us, like I said, that even when people don't believe in Jesus, they can spot when you truly do, because it should change the way that you act or change the way that you live. This means oftentimes doing things and adapting to things and adopting habits and ways of talking, acting, living, posting on social media that may not be natural or convenient to us, but require us to honor God and God's way of doing things instead of our own. So we're going to jump right in to chapter two. That's my sum up for today. If you didn't get uh, your phone out and take a picture of baby Rich on the screen, there goes your opportunity because I'm not putting it back up. Well done. Well, Cynthia's, Cynthia's on slides. This is the worst person to have on the slides today. Okay. Yeah. The, hey, keep, oh, yeah, keep playing games. I know, I know. I've seen Cynthia's high school pictures too, man. They're worse than mine. Mm-hmm. All right. Okay. <laughs> if you're following along in our Streetlights Bible, uh, we're going to be on page 353. This is James chapter 2. I'm just going to read you uh, the chapter. If you uh, weren't here last week, how it goes is I'll read the chapter. I'll have a few key verses for you. Those key verses will be on the screen behind me. Those are key verses because I feel like they are are good samples uh, to show you what the entire theme of this chapter is about. Amen. So uh, if you got it, cool, follow along. If not, do it in an app. If not, key notes, key verses will be on the screen behind me. Here we go. James chapter 2. Authenticity. Bear that in mind. Dear brothers and sisters, he's jumping right in, so buckle up. How can you claim to have faith in our glorious Lord Jesus Christ if you favor some people over others? For example, suppose somebody comes into your meeting dressed in fancy clothes and expensive jewelry And another comes in who is poor and dressed in dirty clothes. If you give special attention and a good seat to the rich person, but you say to the poor one, just stand over there or maybe go sit on the floor. Well, doesn't that discrimination show that your judgments are guided by evil motives? Listen to me, dear brothers and sisters. Hasn't God chosen the poor in this world, to be rich in the faith. 
Aren't they the ones who will inherit the kingdom that he promised to those who love him? But you dishonor the poor. Isn't it the rich who oppress you and drag you out into court? Aren't they the ones who would slander Jesus Christ, whose noble name is the one that you bear? Indeed, it is good when you obey the royal law that is found in scriptures, love your neighbor as yourself. But if you favor some people over others, then you're actually committing a sin and you're guilty of breaking the law. This is a key verse. Authenticity. Authenticity. How can you claim to believe in God and Jesus himself sets forth this idea, right? And and a number of different sermons that Jesus gives or talks that Jesus gives, teachings that Jesus gives, he says, the meek shall inherit the earth. Blessed are the poor, for theirs is the kingdom of God, right? This is in our values as a church. If you were to look them up, we say, we, say uh, we, we are here to serve the poor, to love the poor in spirit and the poor in resource. Doesn't just mean that you got pocket lint in your pocket instead of money. Sometimes that means you're brokenhearted or you're depressed or you're lonely. The poor, the poor in spirit, the poor in resource, the poor in finance. Jesus said, these are the ones that inherit the kingdom of God. These are the ones who inherit the earth. In other words, everything in earth and heaven belongs to the poor. But then Jesus also cautions, hey, be careful for those who think that they're wise and the rich and people who bank in earthly possessions because really those things fade away. So James here is quoting his brother saying, you've heard Jesus say this. That if there's somebody that you should be caring for, it's actually the person with less. Because they're the ones that God is focused on. They're the ones that in God's economy get priority. Because they're meek, because they're humble, because they're not, they're not building this false sense of security in possessions. Instead, they're open, they're willing, they're, they're ready, they have space and margin to receive. And so James is saying, listen, don't get it twisted. People can see your motives even by who you attach yourself to. Wow. So even if we don't treat people with genuine relationship, but we treat people like opportunities, that communicates where our faith is at. Continuing on from there. Verse 10. For the person who keeps all of the laws except one is as guilty as a person who has broken all of God's laws. For the same God who said you must not commit adultery also said you must not murder. For if you murder someone but don't commit adultery, yo, you've still broken the law. There's another key verse coming up right here. So whatever you say, whatever you do, remember that you will be judged by the law that sets you free. There will be no mercy for those who show no mercy to others. That could talk for itself. But if you've been merciful, God will be merciful when he judges you. That's a key verse. That'll be up behind me. I'm gonna, I, I wrote the second part down. I'm going to read the first part again. So if you murder someone but do not commit adultery, you have still broken the law. For a person who keeps, this is verse 10, who keeps all the laws except one is as guilty as a person who has broken all of the laws. Here's what that means. 
and I, and I feel, I should have put this one up. I feel like I got to state this because we do this as believers. We, we tend to do this. We go, oh, I might be bad. I'm not that bad. Oh, I might, I might got a, I might got a lust problem, but I don't got a drug problem. Oh, I got a, I got an anger problem, but I'm not, I don't hit my wife. Right? I, I got, we, we quantify our goodness or our dep- depravity based off of other people's goodness or badness. Here's what James is telling us. James is like, hey, yo, check this out. It's not a, there's not a hierarchy of do's and don'ts with God. It's either you're fully righteous or you're not and you need God. That's all there is. It's either you could play God yourself or you need God for yourself. So don't do this, oh, I'm good, I'm, I'm, I'm not the best, but I'm better than them. There is none, because God's rule doesn't, doesn't, it's not a sliding scale. It's not like there's, you get a slap on the wrist or you gotta go break a, a branch off the tree because you did something even more bad. No, how it works with God is God said, hey, here's the standard and anywhere you might fall below it, it's still below it. It doesn't matter how you violate, if you violated, you violated. It doesn't matter if you killed when you, when, when, when you didn't lust. It doesn't matter that you lusted instead of killed. Like, this is a big deal for us because we, we live in a society that looks at things as a totem pole. Man, those are really bad things. They go to jail forever for those things, but they don't go to jail for very long for the, it does, in God's world, it doesn't matter. In God's economy, it doesn't matter. That's not to say that, that God would rather you kill instead of, that's not to say that. What it means is this, is that you and I cannot judge ourselves based off of the good or bad that we think we do. At the end of the day, we all have our own dirt. And God says, if you got your own dirt, that's reason enough for you to come to me. Don't worry about him, don't worry about her. Don't try to prop yourself up based off of somebody else's mess ups, because you ain't mess up as much or as long If you messed up, you messed up. You're all imperfect, and I'm here for all of you and all of it. This is is important for us. Don't get caught in the trap of comparing yourself. Don't build your faith up on the lack of somebody else's. Don't build your own goodness or perceived morality up on somebody else's lack thereof. What you got is what you got, and that's between you and God. Here we go. Verse 14. Yo, this ladybug is back. What's up, G? Sorry. What good is it? 14. Brothers and sisters, if you say you have faith, but you do not show it by your actions, can that kind of faith save anyone? Suppose you see a brother or sister who has no food or drink, and you say, goodbye, have a great day, stay warm. I hope you get something to eat, man. But then you don't give that person any food or any clothing. What good does that do for anybody? So you see, faith by itself isn't enough unless it produces good deeds. It is dead and it is useless. That's a key verse that'll go up behind me. That speaks for itself. Listen, faith that you claim to have is not substantiated by your words. It's substantiated by your actions. 18, 
Now, someone may argue. Some people say they have faith. Others would say, I do good. I'm a, we hear this all the time, right? I'm a good person. I'm not very religious, but I'm a good person. I'm, I haven't been to church in a while. Like, that's what it's about. But I haven't been to church in a while, but I'm a good person, right? Some may say, you have faith. I got deeds. You might believe, but I'm still a good person. You, you might quantify faith and goodness differently than me, but I'm still good. I still got good deeds. I still can show you how I'm a good person, right? But I say, how can you show me your faith? Woo! Sorry, this ladybug just landed on them. Ladybug wants some of God's word. Okay. But I say, how can you show me your faith if you don't have good deeds? I will show you my faith by my good deeds. Don't miss that. How can you show me your faith if you don't have good deeds when I can show you my faith through my good deeds? That's how you see it. So you say you have faith for you believe that there is one God. That's good for you. Feel the sarcasm here. That's good for you. Even the demons believe that there is one God and they tremble in terror. But how foolish. Can't you see that faith without good deeds is useless? James is coming on real strong right here. He's clapping really hard right here. He's saying, yo, okay, so you believe in Jesus? Good job. That's good. That's good. The demons, devils believe that Jesus is there. What makes you any different than a demon that believes in Jesus? Because a demon believes what he believes, but he still do what he do. What makes you different than that? Good job. You, be, you believe the right thing. You get a gold star. Now do something about it. He's saying, yo, you're, you're telling me that you're proving to me that you have faith because you're a good person or that you don't need to have faith because you're a good person. I'm showing you that I have faith so I live in that. It's not about being a good person. It's about letting faith Get so into what you do and who you are that it changes how you live. So people don't look at you and go, man, you're such a good person. They look at you and they go, wow, your faith is really authentic. That's the mind shift. Don't you remember, verse 21, don't you remember that our ancestor Abraham was shown to be right with God by his actions when he offered his son Isaac on the altar? If you don't know this story, go back and read it. It's a great story. Abraham's son, Isaac, God's like, hey, you believe in me? Abraham's like, for show. He's like, okay, prove it. Abraham's like, wait, I don't know. And he's like, no, for real, prove it. I need you to go sacrifice your son. This is the Old Testament back in the day. Things were kind of kooky, right? But he's like, take your son, put him on the altar, sacrifice him if you believe in me. Prove it, dude. Weird flex, God. But okay, he takes Isaac up to the mountain. He's ready to do what God asked him to do. And this is actually a picture of Jesus, if you read it, because in that moment when Isaac goes, or Abraham goes to sacrifice his own son, God stops him and he's like, hey, wait, I provided a ram for you in the bush, a spotless ram for you in the bush over there. Take your son off of the altar. He doesn't need to die. I provided for you what needs to die. This is a picture for Jesus. You don't have to kill your son. I sent mine. And Abraham, what James is calling back to, remember he's talking, we talked last week, he's a pastor in the Jewish church. He's talking to a bunch of Jewish believers who would know this story of Abraham well. It's part of their Judaism, right? It's part of their heritage. And he's going, y'all believe in Abraham. He was, he was God's dude, right? Cool. Abraham 
was only proven to be righteous because he had faith that moved him to action. Abraham, if he just said he believed in God, wouldn't be enough. But Abraham went with Isaac and that showed where his faith really was. And so it happened just as the scriptures say, Abraham believed God and God counted to him as righteousness because of his faith that was met with action. He was even called the friend of God from then on. So you see, we are shown to be right with God by what we do, not by our faith alone. We are shown to be right with God by what we do, not, and I would, add, I, I would unpack it like this, not by what we claim we believe alone. Rahab the prostitute, whoa, is another example. She was shown to be right with God by her actions when she hid the messengers and sent them away by a different road. Just as the body, okay, so pause. This is another story. Again, you can read it, Old Testament. Rahab was a prostitute, woo, right? And uh, God asked her to help. He had messengers, he had uh, spies that were, you gotta, you gotta read the whole story. He had these dudes he was trying to get out before they got killed. He's like, hey, oh, Rahab, I need a solid. Rahab's like, I got you, God, whatever you need, baby. And he's like, okay, cool. I need you to help these messengers escape so they don't get killed. She did it, risked her life to help them get away. And again, this is an example James uses because it would have hit in this culture. And he's saying, listen, even Rahab put her money where her mouth was when it could have cost her her own life. She believed so much that it led her to a drastic action in being obedient to God. So again, he's driving this message saying, what are you gonna do about your faith? It might cost you something, but what are you gonna do about your faith? This is gonna be up on the screen behind me. Just as the body is dead without breath, so also faith is dead without good works. Should be there, yep. Take that in for a second. Just as the body is dead without breath, it's essential to you to live, to literally keep living another day. So also your faith is dead without good works. That means good works have to be a part. Action has to be a part of your faith because faith is the, or good works is the breath that your faith breathes. What does that look like? That means that if you are not acting on your faith enough, what's going to happen? That's the breath, right? So if you're not breathing enough, you're going to die. If you're not acting out your faith enough, your faith will, will die. Thank you, God. That was a simulation for death, right? Dead? Go ahead. Life. Dead, life, life, there we go, okay. If air is what your body needs, breath is what you need to live, and good works is what your faith needs to stay alive, then if you are not, listen to me, if you are not in a place where your faith has such priority in your life that it is literally impacting the way that you live, the way that you talk to people, the way that you interact with people, then that means that your faith might be like on a lifeline right now, like if there's a little thing at the hospital going beep, boop, beep, right? You're like in between the peaks for a minute. You're like, dude, dude. 
right? And it's not going to be long if your faith doesn't start taking action that you're just going to flatline, that you're going to drift, that your faith will no longer sustain you. Your faith will not be vital anymore. Your faith will not be vibrant anymore. Your faith will not hold you anymore when you're going through a tough time. So when this happens, authenticity goes out the window. I keep bringing it back to this because it is so, it's central to the gospel. It's central. What is the gospel? The gospel is that Jesus is God, loved you so much that he died in your place, rose from the dead, he's coming again one day. And all you have to do to be his is believe in him, is to stop running. That's the gospel. And it's central to the gospel because God is about people. And so when God gets a hold of us, he wants us to be about people. And the reason why our faith isn't just our faith, the, the reason why answers like, oh yeah, I believe in God, but I don't go to church no more because I don't really need church to believe in God. You're right, you don't. You really don't. You don't need it to believe, but you do need it for your faith to stay alive longer than temporary feel good. You, you do need community around you to hold you up and to encourage you in your faith. James is like, yo, like, th- this, is, this is why authenticity matters, because if your faith is not bright enough, if the fire that is lit inside of you is not fanned regularly and, and, and stoked regularly and kindled regularly, and it's not bright enough, then how is it going to light anything else up for anybody else if it's not even good enough to keep you warm. This is why it's important. Because listen, people can can see things about you. Do you know this? Carmen's creepy, right? Like, well, I love you. She's creepy though. Like, well, We'll, we'll encounter something and when, or somebody, and when somebody, uh, we encounter somebody for the first time, we'll walk away and she'll go, hmm, here's what I think is going on there. And I'll be like, what? She don't, don't worry, she, she, she doesn't use the weird spider sense on anybody here. But when we meet people for the first time, she'll be like, yeah, I don't know, you need to be careful when you call them, especially when people like, hey, I got a business idea or I got something I want you to be a part of. She'll be like, mm, I don't know about this, right? I, here's what I'm kind of sensing there. Here's what I kind of feel. Here's what that felt like. Here's what people feel things off of you, right? People catch things off of you. People, people can read between the lines of how you talk. People can see how you act and see what you value. People can see what you make time for and see what's important to you. People can look, scroll down on your IG or on your Facebook, and they can see what's important to you. Or even if social media is important to you. Some of y'all got cobwebs on your, on your feed because you don't post nothing. Why you got an account? I don't know. People can tell things about what you engage with, what you interact with, and where your actions are most central to. And that is no different than your faith. And James is like, listen, people recognize this. Guys, there's people out there that need to know about what we talk about in here And if what we talk about in here ain't even important enough for you, nobody out there has got a chance hearing nothing. Faith, authenticity is important. I want to 
throw some things up for you. We're talking about authenticity. I want to throw some things up for you. Here's what authenticity and faith requires of us. Authenticity and faith requires equal treatment of people. People. You don't see people as opportunities. You see people as people. So you treat people the same. And equal grace for people. Because all people need grace, we give grace to all people regardless of how we personally feel about them. Authenticity requires equal treatment and equal grace. It also requires us to act out our beliefs. We say it all the time in our, in our core team meetings. We'll say, you know what you really believe because that's what you'll do. If you really say you believe that you love the Lions, right, and the Lions are going to they're the best football team ever, then you probably got a closet full of jerseys and hats and things that make you really sad every Sunday. I'm sorry. But authenticity requires you to take some action on what you claim to believe so passionately. Authenticity requires us to submit to God's way over ours. Oh, that's hard. People don't talk like this no more. I'm just going to be straight up. The message that you'll hear in a lot of churches is not like this anymore. Messages that you hear from a, a platform in a church a lot of times anymore will not be direct like that, will not be, hey, this is God's way. If our way doesn't line up, abandon that ship and jump on with God's. It's not like that. It's almost like, hey, where can the two meet in the middle and you're the most happy, but God is also cool with it. We don't want God to be cool with it. We want God to be glorified. We don't want God to just be riding in the back seat of the car that we're driving and he's like looking down at his phone like, oh, where are we now? Cool, I love McDonald's. No, we want Jesus driving the car and we're sitting in the back going, where are we going today, God? Because I'm going where you go. It requires us to submit to God's way and give preference to God over ourselves, even in the first two. How we treat people, how we forgive people, how we love others, how we serve others, and in the actions that we partake in. I got another one for you. Throw up my other slide. Here's a, a, my takeaway for you guys today. It's like another quote. There it is. So as we talk about good works, we talk about actions. The, this is tricky because especially in cultures and urban cultures, people, people really feel good about what we do and what we accomplish. You saw the pictures of Ghetto Richie. You saw the pictures of Turntable Richie. Everything was all about how real you are, how you can establish yourself as the real deal, how you could be that dude or that chick, right? Like, and all of that is substantiated by our actions. So the more that we partake in or the more we do, the more we can prove ourselves, the more we can brag about. And it may, may not be that direct in whatever cultural norms you subscribe to or you come from or you grew up in, but what is the same is that people feel really good about the things they accomplish and people like to share that. People want other people to know what they've done, what they've earned, what they've accomplished, what they've learned, what degree they have, what certificate they got, what raise they got, what promotion they have, what car they drive, how many likes they got. This is human nature. We want people to know this, but God's kingdom is juxtaposed to all of that. Here's what good works and action actually get you. When you act out your faith, and you start doing what James calls good works, what I would call action, just literally doing what God calls you to do, 
here's what we have to remember. Your good works and your action does not give you any moral high ground. Listen, it does not give you any moral high ground. What does that mean, Rich? That means it gives you no right to stand and point the finger at somebody else and say, why are you doing that? Why aren't you doing this better? Why aren't you acting more like me? I remember when I did that. I remember when I was messed up. I remember when I didn't know nothing. I remember when I was broke. I remember when I was dating four or five different people. I remember when I was hitting the nightclub. I remember when I was, I don't even know if people do these things anymore. Last time I was in a club was in that picture. I'm kidding, I'm sure they do. Have you driven through downtown on a Saturday? You! It doesn't give you the moral high ground. What your good work and your action actually does is that it brings validity to your verbiage. What does that mean? What's your verbiage? It's your words. All your good works are supposed to do is testify to what you already said. A few weeks ago, we talked about storytelling. Tell your story. Share what God's doing in your life. Tell people how good God is. Tell people how he's transformed you or transforming you. The band can head up. Use your words. Like, yes, use your words. For real, use your words. But when you start to produce action, when you start to serve, when you come to Somos Santos, because it's Volunteer Day, baby, and I serve at the church, and I'm all about it. Nobody stacks donuts on the plates like I do. Nobody makes coffee like I do. Nobody adjusts the microphone volume like I do. I'm like Daft Punk back there. I'm like, nobody does this stuff better. That's not, that's not what it gets you. It does not get you moral high ground. It does not get you a gold star that you get to flash in everybody's face because you did it right or better or more. What it does is that it shows people that you mean what you said and that you said what you meant when you told them about God, when you told them that God loved them, when you said Jesus didn't come for you to pursue him, he came to pursue you. So I'm gonna pursue you. Jesus came and Jesus served me, Jesus loved me, so I'm gonna serve you, I'm gonna love you. Jesus came and didn't hold any of my own junk against me, he forgave me, with reckless abandon, the biggest thing I'd ever done looked like the smallest little speck to God, and he let it go like that. So I don't care what you did to me. I'm going to forgive that, and I'm going to move on from that. I'm going to offer grace. I'm going to offer reconciliation. I'm going to do something different. Not so that way I can stand on a soapbox and preach to you about how we should be doing things better. I told you my story about the guy outside the, of LCA last week. Every, nobody wants to hear that, man. Nobody wants to hear us on a soapbox. People want to see you live it out if it really means that much to you. Talk, man. Share that story with people. Y'all want to be on, we want to be on social media. Use social media. Tag somebody. Talk to somebody. DM somebody. Inbox somebody. But for the love of Jesus our Savior, and for the sake of his kingdom, when you get around that person, put some action with those words. Bring some authenticity with you to the game. Keep it real with people. Let people see you love them because you know them, but then love people that are perfect strangers. 
let people see you offer grace in little things, and then even when it's hard for you and rocks your world, let them see you offer grace in amazing, huge moments when people didn't deserve it, but you offered it anyway. This is what James is talking about. James is like, man, don't be fooled. Don't give preference to people. People aren't opportunities. Show mercy to people. God shows mercy to you. And remember this, if your faith is not breathing action, then it's dead. This morning, as we jump into our last song, I want to urge you to take time. Just do this to your faith. Take two fingers, put it right here on your face. Not literally, I see. I, I knew you were going to do it. I'm faith. This is me taking my pulse. Check your faith. That's just me out really checking your pulse. Don't do that. <laughs> You're alive, I promise. But is your faith. Before you leave today, take some inventory. Before you leave today, check the pulse of your faith. Am I just going to church because this is what I do on Sunday? Am I going to church because it's a cool place for my kid to hang out? Am I going to church so I don't have to buy breakfast because they always got donuts and coffee? Am I just going to church because I'm lonely and that's where people are? Listen, none of those things are bad in and of themselves. But I would be a terrible pastor if I let things stay that way. Our heart for you is that you grow in faith. My desire for you as a pastor is that you would truly encounter Jesus and all that he has to offer for you. That, where people get scared and run away is that they don't wanna let go of what they've already built for themselves. I don't wanna part with my friend group. I don't wanna part with my habits. I don't wanna stop doing this. I don't wanna stop doing that. Listen, this morning, I'm not telling you to stop doing anything telling you to do is to start listening to God when he's knocking. And then what you do after that and what God tells you to put down or pick up or whatever, that's between you and him. But you got to start somewhere with him. God wants to have a real authentic relationship with you. Like we said earlier, all you got to do is stop running long enough for him to catch you. So this morning, in this last song, I'm extending that offer to you. Check your faith, where is it at? Check the pulse of your faith, where is it at? If you want your faith to come alive, James tells us the answer is actually pretty simple. Start doing something about it. Start extending grace to people, loving people, serving people. I'll close with this. Uh, Pastor Thomas, yesterday, he said, uh, when did you realize, he asked our group of volunteers, he said, question for you guys, when did you realize that this whole faith thing, serving, getting involved, church, all this, like when did you realize it wasn't about you? Some of us haven't had that realization yet. That's okay, because God wants you. You're part of the puzzle, but God wants more for you than to just focus on you. That's a, that's a small existence. You know what the common denominator was in everybody's answer? Everybody's answer, no matter how different it was, it involved people. 
everybody's answer, no matter how different it was or how, what the elements were, the dynamics of it, no matter how different they were, everybody said something about being part of a bigger group of people, being around more people, experiencing and getting to know more people. God's will for you is that you would plug in with people and lucky for you, I know where to find some. God would will that you would plug in and that you would find yourself in that space, grow beyond that, and that we would constantly be authentically showing our faith in him so that other people are regularly invited into that family as well. It made my heart feel so good when people were talking. Somebody said, somebody goes, I love Santos because it feels like recess with Jesus. <laughs> you know what recess is? Recess is a break from all the other crap. Literally, Santos feels like going on break from the other crap, but you, you got Jesus with you. That's the best compliment I could ever got. And it's not even for me, it's for the church, but it's the best thing I could ever hear. That's, that's what we want. It's special when you hear people experiencing that. You know, it'd be more special if other people knew that that existed and they could experience that as well. We've got to do something about our faith. We pray for you and then I want to invite you worship with us one more time today and I want you to know how, how loved you are how excited we are about this this series listen I told you guys last week if you were here the book of James people describe it as a really sweet gut punch you might leave today and you're like dog it's snowing James is in there talking crap about us don't feel like that leave feeling inspired leave knowing that you believe in a God who is alive and well and alive within you. Scripture says that the same exact Holy Spirit that rose Jesus from the grave, check this out, is alive in you today. The same magic that Jesus used to literally come back to life is the magic that compels you to believe in him today. You possess it in your body. Now use it to do something incredible like he did, amen? Let me pray for you. Dear Jesus, I love you and I thank you for who you are. God, as we read the words of your brother, like your actual brother, and what he shares with us about you and how he instructs us in our faith and how he recalibrates us and redefines for us what this is all about, how important this all is, Jesus, what we take away today is that people don't want fake, people don't want to see us claiming to do all this stuff for a fake God, and people don't want to see us being fake about a real God. What a pity it would be if people knew that there was a real God who really loved them, but they didn't feel welcome coming to him because the people that follow him weren't legit. Jesus, help us step into our faith. Help us to really live out the things that you set forth for us. Help us to do something about it in Jesus today. If there's anybody in this room that is kicking it around in their mind, man, I don't know if I want to go all in with this. 
Man, I don't know, because I, I don't know what this is all about. Man, I don't know if I'm trying to do this, really. I don't know if I'm trying to break those habits, start new habits. I don't know if I'm trying to be holy, and I don't know if I'm trying to be all, like, Jesus, I pray that they encounter you today, right now, really. That even now, God, as we're praying, as, as we're worshiping, they would feel your presence. Meet them where they are. And that ways that they might, e might not even be able to verbalize, that you would speak to them in their heart. That you would call them back to you. That you would let them know that there's a fresh start, a new life, a vibrant life waiting for them. Jesus, where they will see and do and encounter and be a part of bigger things than they could ever imagine. All they have to do is say yes. God, I pray that today we would say yes. Help us to be about it and not just talk about it. Give us an authenticity that is unmatched. And I pray people would acknowledge that, seek that out, and find you as the source. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Hey, thanks again for tuning in to the Santos Church Podcast. We hope that you were blessed by what you heard today and that it moves you towards action and greater faith in Jesus. If you'd like to connect with us more, you can find us online at santoschurch.org. And that's also a great place to give if you'd like to contribute to the ministry and our mission here in Southwest Detroit. If you're on Instagram, you can connect with us at Santos Detroit or Facebook, and it's facebook.com slash Santos Church Detroit. If you find yourself in the Detroit area, we'd love to have you in person Sunday mornings at 11, 1953 Military Street. Either way, hablamos pronto. We'll talk to you soon.